0: Welcome everyone to the Prof Joe Aged Care COVID-19 podcast. With me today, I have Prof Joe. Hi, Prateek. And we also have our guest today, Greg Van Borsen. Hello, Prateek. Greg is a very difficult person to introduce. Basically, he is a perpetual list of achievements. And really the thing that is the threat through all of his achievements is his ability to handle leadership positions, of which he's probably at 20 to 30 in his career so far. He's been involved in leadership roles in combat situations he has turned his career towards films having worked with academy award-winning director george miller on one of those films he was actually a co-director with george miller that's a happy feet and he shared an oscar win during that job he was also the combat choreographer on the new mad max movie now He's a national mental health advocate and speaks globally as Australia's first credentialed
1: Toastmasters speaker. I think it's exciting to have Greg with us today, Prateek. One of the things we've studied for a long time is how to improve healthcare and aged care, looking at high reliability organisations and that are working in high risk areas like the nuclear industry, the aviation industry and the military all of those industries work with high risk every day and need to perform at an exceptional standard to make sure no harm comes to anyone. And I think we'll learn a lot from Greg and his views about his experiences and how we can translate those across to aged care during this COVID pandemic.
0: Going to the aged care situation directly, if you consider that the battleground here is an aged care facility, and we consider that COVID-19 is a threat, And assuming that you've been tasked to protect that facility from that threat, and in particular entry of the actual virus into the facility, maybe if you treat us as your subject matter experts, maybe you can ask us the questions that you want to know, and we can go from there.
2: Okay, so thinking about it in terms of anything and any problem, A, what is the threat? So how does it spread? What does it do when it does spread? And so that gives you a level of understanding of how you keep it out of, say, the building, the structure. So... Lay out for me in layman's terms, because I'm a, I'm a layman or a layperson, how this virus spreads.
1: So COVID-19 is a new virus, which we've not encountered before. It spreads through coughing or respiratory droplets. So if you cough, sneeze, and those droplets go into someone's face, nose, eyes, they'll get infected. If it goes onto a surface, you touch that surface and you then transfer the virus from the surface to your face, you'll get the disease. COVID-19 kills people, and we know that the mortality rate varies depending on the population, so it kills older people far more often than younger people. Of the old people who get COVID infection, 80% of them will survive. About 15 to 20% will die.
2: Okay, so that's the threat what's our situation? So you're dealing with people in a nursing home situation, people that are probably already in a fragile state, be it mentally and physically in some situations. Yeah, they're very incapacitated. And so what is the first vulnerable point that is going to attack them?
1: So in terms of the vulnerability is the virus getting into the facility. An aged care home essentially is a communal living or similar to barracks in that If an infection gets in, it's likely to spread quickly and throughout the facility before it's recognised. And one of the issues with COVID is that it's infectious before a person develops symptoms, and even people that develop symptoms, it might be as mild as a cough or a sniffle, and so they don't think twice about it. So
2: so I think, like, in terms of what I'd be doing, you know, in terms of a leadership role in an aged care facility... It would be, A, knowing that the place was clean of this situation to start with. So you would have to go into a 14-day compulsory lockdown no matter what. And whilst that was happening, you would be sterilising and cleaning every facet of that place to make sure that it was clean. You now there would be no visitors. And then you have to think of also the people that are in there because you know they're already having a tough time being in those places because it, it is tough. Family's going to suffer because they can't see you now. But on the flip side of that, we do have this wonderful electronic format we're on right now, which I'm pretty sure any nursing home or any aged care facility could set up zoom or skype or anything like that where people can still keep in touch with their family and friends as a link in chat in their room
0: yeah so look i guess you're making very important points there about the vulnerability of putting someone in isolation and keeping that humane we've gone from a situation where we've got relatively junior people so in an aged care facility there's a large number of personal care attendants and you know six weeks of qualification doing a course on aged care. On top of that, we've got nurses who are supervising these care attendants. And then on top of that, we have doctors that visit the facility from time to time. That's kind of the level. You know, there's never been a threat like this to aged care before, where a virus could enter, it could infect everyone quickly and potentially kill a lot of people. So you have a culture which has been set around a home. Prof gave this example before where facilities are set up to remove stinks because sinks that look clinical make it appear less like a home. Now we're in a situation where we actually need those kind of clinical facilities inside of a home. So, you know, if you've got this kind of workforce that has a more casual sense than an ICU facility in a hospital where they're almost military-like with their infection control, on the other hand, we've got this situation where infection control has never been that strict, and we need to rapidly turn that situation into similar to an ICU, to prevent the entry of that virus. How would you approach that kind of cultural change? Keeping
2: it as a home-style environment, I think, would be very important. But at the same time, what has to change first is two things. One is the mindset of the people that are there. And I think, unfortunately, what we've heard through the entire community, and especially it's been very media-driven, it's it's a very big state of fear. Some things that I've seen over many years in every facet of work I've ever done and and team leadership from the biggest corporations in the world along are... they lack team leadership and they have management but they don't have leadership. Two things, head and tail of the day with meetings. So you start off, what are we doing for the day? What's our setup? What's our standards? We will adhere to that and everybody's going to observe everybody else and make sure we're all doing the same thing. It's got to be simple. It can't be 15 steps. It's got to be five. From that, you've got to get the person that is the best equipped to lead to be the one that is the voice of the people that are working there, at the same time having an open forum and those head-and-tail meetings where everyone can voice their opinions on how the day went or how it didn't go and what we can improve tomorrow. And you treat it as an environment not based out of fear, based out of we're going to attack this thing. And our aim for our aged care facility is to make sure we don't lose a single person. That's our competitive goal, to make sure that everybody gets to stay and everyone gets to see their family again in the flesh, outside of doing Zoom meetings and all the other stuff. When it tails over and passes on to something else, we can get back to normal again and everyone's still with us.
0: I'm hearing something very strongly there, that leadership is one of the most important qualities that we need here. Now, In this situation, leadership is going to be very important to change behaviours that have been allowed to be a bit more casual than they are now. And that's probably a significant change. And there's a bunch of different issues there. One is communicating how important it is. Another is communicating the really significant consequences that can follow from a, a minor lapse because you don't see the virus on your hands. You wash it off and it's invisible. It's an invisible threat. And the third thing is how do we then, as you say, practically create those measures that are easy to follow and then how do we enforce those measures?
2: Well, okay. And it's not even really enforce. It gets someone like the prof here to set up a five-step procedure. We will adhere to that. And what's the why? If you work in an aged care facility, you're a special kind of person it takes a special person to go through all the bits and pieces they have to do in a day. It's a pretty big and interesting day. Okay. And there's a lot to go. Same with doctors or anyone in the medical profession, hats off to them. You know, now there's a big why that's attached to that, the why they do that stuff. And then you've got to think about the aged care facility as a greater community. I think one, one of the big things we've lost out of all of this whole thing going on is we've lost community. We've gone from all this stuff we're doing with the fireys and the farmers and all those things six months ago to being this very self-hoarding, you know, grabbing all for us. It's not about us. It's about us as a community, not about us as a singular person. And the, the aged care facility has a whole extended family outside of that, which are all the people that are the relatives and the families of the people that are in that facility. And if everybody there is treated and works together to ensure this stuff happens, then you're in with a fighting chance. Because the family just feel like they're locked out, they're not going to like it. But if they're kept informed, the communication being the big key here, they're kept informed as, as to why. And yes, you will be setting up these procedures so people can still keep in touch. You're setting up a five-step plan so your people are going to be safe. The staff, yes, you call it a procedure, but it's done for a reason. It's done because you want those people to be alive. You want to make sure that everyone sticks around. You know, And it's, it's not set in such a clinical way. It, If I come to you as an inexperienced person who loves working in aged care and wants to do a great job and you say to me, you know, to facilitate this we have to do and you list it in such a way I'm going to go, but if you tell me that by doing these five steps I'm going to keep Mrs Jones alive and I really like Mrs Jones, she tells me great stories, you're attaching a why to the reason. So you're you're setting up pragmatic steps in place because you care about someone and you care about the, the people that are there because they're not clients, they're people.
1: One of the issues in aged care and healthcare and myself is we've been doing hand washing and hand hygiene for 20, 30 years and we think we've got it mastered. And when we've had the slips and lapses, nothing catastrophic's happened. And so when you pull everyone in to take them through the basics, we get offended. We think you're wasting our time and we will say, I've seen it, I've heard it, I don't need to worry about it. How do you deal with that sort of...
2: If you were going to be, if, if there was someone going to attack you right now, would you do a jumping spin kick? Would you settle into something much more basic and rudimentary to deal with the situation?
1: Yeah, you do what you're capable of and it'd be very rudimentary.
2: Exactly right. So you must go back to basics. And the minute you think you're above and beyond what actually matters most, if everyone's going, oh, we've washed our hands a million times, yeah, sure, so I've it doesn't mean I'm a professional. You've got to sit there and actually go through the process and, and be meticulous about it. And it's time for everyone in the profession to, to lead by example and go the extra step. And so that passes on. It's like an arterial system which goes down to the veins of the people in the aged care facility so they can understand the basic setup of what it takes to keep this disease out. And so if this virus is spread, if you're not, you know, directly spat on or coughed on or spoken to within a certain radius, like within the 1.5 metres, if it comes down to hand washing, then it has to be made of absolute massive national importance.
0: We get the aged care workers together and we say to them, wash your hands because it's going to save lives. Now, I also say to them, this is how you wash your hands and I lead by example and I do it and I don't take anything for granted.
2: And I would be at the doorway every day when people came in for shift. I would be there and you know me as I lead my teams. When I was on Happy Fit, I was there for 22 hours a day. I would sleep there. All that stuff. Even on Fury Road, I would get home at 11 and I'd be back out the door at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning getting back on set to make sure everything was there. And I was there when everyone got there. There's no point in pretending you're a leader leader of a team in any way, shape or form if you aren't there. And so I would be there to wash my hands with them in the morning to make sure everyone had the drill down pat and go, guys, that is awesome. You talk them up, you tell them they're doing a great job and get in and let's make this count. Let's make the day special. Let's make these people feel great that are isolated right now. Let's make their families feel like they're in good hands. Let's make everything a positive out of this and let's attack this thing head on because we can beat this.
0: Do you think an activity like that at the beginning of every shift is what we need?
2: And at the end, you're head and tail, you know, it's got to be head and tail today because you've got to, two things come of this and it's like being around the water cooler, you know, it's, people can talk about you missed your nails just in a, in a positive way. And when you get to that, you start getting that conversation like, oh, how would it go today? Oh, yeah, this person was troubled. With This happened. This happened because of that. Then, oh, maybe tomorrow we can look at this. Or, you know, so that stuff at the beginning and the end of the day, what went well or badly this day is head up the next morning. And so you're implementing all the time moving forward. And because if you're not, as I said before, you're reactive. And I've seen projects in every way, shape, and form that are reactive and they never work. And this is the same with COVID-19. You've got to look for the small signs that make the big differences. And if it's come down to the small side of hand-washing, that's the big difference we're going to
0: make. Assuming that I show them how to do it, every single shift I'm there, I'm saying, how did we go with hand-washing now? At the end of the shift, I'm there to reinforce the message again, regular reinforcement. And importantly, the reason why this is worth doing is because it is the single most important measure that we can take to stop COVID-19 entering a facility and affecting people.
2: I also think... Even calling it COVID-19, like that stuff for me, I would never use those words. I'll be talking about this is how we're going to keep our people alive. I think the three most powerful words in the human language are us and we and together because it's, we do it together. It's us. together. We, we do this as one. This is how we do it. Together we will beat this thing. And if you bring people in as part of a team and then on the top of that, for me to influence you, you've got to be able to influence me. It has to work both ways. And to give people that power to feel like they can talk to you because a lot of environments, you see this everywhere, it's hierarchical but in a bad way because no one feels like they can talk anything up the chain or no one feels like they're validated. It's like when you walk into a meeting room and there's a long, slender table there and the guy in charge sits at the end with a big stroke and all the brown noses sit by him and then they, they taper off down the list. And that's not a natural environment. That's why it was called King Arthur and the Round Table. Everyone's opinion was valid. And if you set up a work environment where everyone's opinion is validated, whatever level of professional, they're there because they care. They're there because they matter. You take their opinions on board and you you think about them.
0: I really like what you're saying. I think it's amazing. I want to ask you a hypothetical. Let's say we don't do what you're saying. What we do is this. We have an online learning module for washing hands, which is done by yourself in your own time. You watch it. Here's how you wash your hand. You answer five multiple choice questions. And then you pass this module. And then we say, we expect you to do this. Thanks, guys. Okay, one does that work at all? And two, in your opinion, if it did work, how long would it last?
2: One, you made it a test, and everyone knows the tests are just there to pass. No one actually gives a rat's backside about a test. It, you know, I passed it, I'm still, I've still got a job. If that's Therefore, that's all you're going to do. You're going to do the bare minimum to keep it. So you go, yeah, I did that. I can wash my hands.
0: To be honest, working in a hospital, okay, I'm not going to speak for anybody else here. I'm saying me working in a hospital in the past, what I learned about hand washing was exactly what I just told you. No one ever assessed how I wash my hands. No one's ever reinforced it to me other than the yearly um, continuing education sign-off. I've probably been told in three lines that hand-washing is important because it reduces the risk of infection. Now, this is the level of training. So if you consider that this is my combat training to go onto a battlefield with COVID-19, that's how I've been equipped.
2: So what I need to do is find out your address so I can send flowers. But that's about the level the outcome is going to be.
0: The reason why it's so important to get you on this podcast is to make the point we don't have time anymore to say that what we need for hand washing is you do an online module, and you tick a few boxes and that's it. We are going to need this style of leadership in nursing homes that you're describing right now.
2: And I can guarantee you now, if I walked into any nursing home or any aged care facility, they've all got those people. They would be. They would already be in the in the ranks of the, of the staff there.
0: So how do I find this person, The correct, making this the correct person?
2: Say so, so we're going into a, a massive fight. Which person's less likely to get me killed? You you want to know that the person you're putting in charge, the people respect them. And respect is an earned thing, and it. it's because it does work both ways. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big thing of Leadership 101. I think leadership is so fundamentally easy, and it comes down to a very simple four-letter word, and it doesn't start with an F. It's care. You've got to care. If you truly emphatically care about people, the way they speak, the way they talk to you, the way you talk to them, the way you treat them, the way you help them, the way you help each other, you're in good hands because people look out for each other and that's how you build it And because then you give them the reason about this is why we do this, guys. because our clients, our people, whatever you want to call them in, in the facility, you know, I would, I would call them by name, you know, because you guys, you know, you care for Mr. Whitaker and Mrs. Jones and Mrs. You know, they're your people. You make it a very personal, heartfelt thing about why we do this stuff because people will attach to meaning. If you just make it well, if you don't wash your hands and you fail the test, you're out of job, people are gonna do it once they go, Well, I did that, look at that, I'm cool. And walk off and look after the next person. You know, and you get cross contamination. So you gotta there has to be reason attached to why you do something.
1: What advice do you have to the managers who are fixed on roles? And what do you say to the people that want to stand up but are too scared because they're worried about what'll happen to them?
2: Both shouldn't need to leave. You have to create the environment that's right. And if you don't have the right environment, it's never going to work. I mean, people have to feel comfortable. And I have no qualifications outside of being a carpenter. Yet I've won multiple national world titles, Academy Awards stuff. The things that I've achieved are way above what could have ever been set out for my life. So you can't judge someone by having a piece of paper by the quality they're going to bring to the gig. Now, you've got to look at that person for the person they are what's under the bonnet of the, of the motor you know what's what's in there what's driving that person to be here because the human species we want to learn we want to grow we want to encourage people you know we, we need all that stuff and when that doesn't exist people just tune out and we don't want that and so we've got to stop looking at the at the six week course we've got to look at the people for what they bring to the table and what they're willing to bring to the table and what they're wanting to learn and how they approach things and you that's what a leader does they watch for that stuff they go you know what you would be a great person to have what if I make you one of the, you know, in this position here with, with intent to teach you how to lead more or giving you some more skills along the way. You know, and that's what makes great teams because there's no one thinks they're above or beyond. Anytime someone says you work for me, I'd leave. You know, we, we work together.
0: I want to hear your version of the pep talk that you give right now, the manager has been chosen to be the infectious control person. I want to hear that pep talk that you tell them from Greg to that person, what you expect them to do. If I was picking
2: someone for this, the reason I'm picking you is, is, is this. It's because you might not be the best hand washer, but you care the most. It's, it's not because your techniques are the best. It's because you'll always want to learn more. And the more you want to learn it because you want to pass it on to other people because you have a greater picture of what goes on out there. You're not thinking of you. You're thinking of everybody involved in this. If you lead by example and you do it properly, the best of your ability, then we've got a shot at beating this and we're going to save lives non-stop. And that's how we do this.
0: Greg, people don't know how to wash their hands and they're gonna forget and I don't know how I'm gonna do this. So many people working here. I need some advice from a great leader like you. Please tell me, how am I gonna keep my people washing their hands properly?
2: Put it in a song, put it in something simple people can remember, you know, an ABC of of washing your hands. Because you gotta remember, if we keep it in short, sharp steps, it's easy to remember. When you've got lots of stuff going on, the more words, that you know, never say in five words, which you can say in three. The simple is gonna work posters might work well sometimes they do I'm not a big fan of posters unless they're done in a a funny manner it's funny how humour works but humour works really well if it's just instructions people don't read them have a staff member become involved like the more you can include people in what you do the better we're going to be with this because the minute it's just a hierarchical structure where someone's opinion is everything you know and it's, it's, it's not going to work that way it has to work together as a community and the more we get that out to people in our staff and we do it in a simple manner which is enjoyable people will do it the minute it feels like a chore, people don't. And it's not because they hate stuff, the people just hate conforming. You know? And two things, reason matters. The, the reason, it has to be heartfelt. It has to be simple and it has to be fun.
0: Now you're talking to the workers and you're trying to tell them that we're gonna work on this together and that you're depending on them for this and so is the residents.
2: Watch over each other, not policing each other, help each other. If you see something that needs fixing up or you see something could be done better or you, you offer up suggestions, we do this and everyone has to be able to be free to speak on this stuff. No one runs anybody else. You may be in charge of something that the decision might stop with you, but at the end of the day, we all get the final say. We do it together. And it's the only way to make this thing work. And that's how teams need to work in any environment. Yes, someone does get final say on this, but at the end of the day, if everything else under the bonnet isn't working, nothing's working.
1: Greg's brought to life all the material that we've been teaching on patient safety and quality of care and if you want me to add the academic label he's addressed a just culture, a reporting culture, an informed culture, a learning culture, a flexible culture, having the same risk perception, having attitudes to safety that we all agree with and having safety related behaviour. But what Greg's done is brought it to life in a way I certainly never could have done.
2: Knowledge is the best friend we can get. So the more you guys can get it out there to people, the better it's going to be.